Alright, welcome back to the PCS Podcast, your home for all things competitive Pokemon TCG. In this episode, we're going to look over the EUIC results. This is going to be a fun one. And then we're going to dive into a quick MetaShare study regarding this tournament and the new format and all the new cards and stuff like that. We have a small card spotlight to go over. And then we're going to finish up with a listener question and then re-update you guys on some Discord and Patreon things i am your host drew and with me as always is justin justin how you doing i'm doing great drew uh just came off of a fun weekend um got to play a couple games in this new format um went to a case tournament on sunday and played gardevoir uh ex with mewtwo v union um never even shuffled the deck and literally just missed top cut by time my last game so that was pretty cool um really loving the deck um and just playing against all this these new fun decks and figuring out how everything works um yeah i'm doing great how about you drew i'm good uh last week in the discord we played a lot of webcam games i think wednesday thursday friday i probably played upwards of like 75 games with just a bunch of different people and it was super fun you know i i still have like those 20 decks built so i've just kind of randomly been picking one up playing like a best of one or best of three with a specific archetype and you know i'm, I'm just really enjoying the way that the decks feel i can't wait to get a little bit more techie and or streamlined with some specific builds but overall i am really enjoying this format so far and then this weekend watched uh the european international championships and that was baller like watching all these great players on stream or just post their results on like twitter and stuff like that following along on pokestats live which you should definitely check out and donate to um it's just really cool to see that a lot of people were on the same page with similar builds and seeing how this meta is already taking shape and evolving so without further ado let's get in the results recap Results Recap is powered by Ultimate Guard. When it's time to upgrade your TCG storage or just to re-sleeve your favorite deck, be sure to check out Ultimate Guard's premium accessories. UIC had 1,525 masters. But what player deck combo won the entire event, Justin? So Alex Shemansky, a member of the Shuffle Squad, uh, won the entire event going 15-2-1 with an Arceus V-Star Toolbox. Um... So pretty much, uh, you know, kind of reminiscent of a little bit of some Arc Duraludon, but with a couple cool flares, uh, techs in there, uh, with the double Drapion, and also the Alolan Vulpix V, which is kind of close to what you guessed last week to uh, win the whole thing, and um, go Drew. You were like two-thirds of the way there on that guess. Yeah, no, I felt I felt pretty solid about that pick. I knew the Vulpix was going to be just a little bit sneaky. I know that everything in Gardevoir, for the most part, that does a lot of damage uh, has an ability. So it's just a really neat tech for that. Uh, but having the 2-2 Arcadura in here, especially with us having bad Dura in the format now, uh, it's sick because in a deck like this, the new Lugias are not playing Path, and you lock the game. Like, you basically tell your opponent that they literally can't do anything and simultaneously with the four lost city you're just eliminating things completely off of the board uh but arceus is just seems pretty good right now and i think that uh alex shamansky getting that first place finish with a deck that seems very homebrewed 
is such a sick touch to finish off this event. Yeah, I, I really like the fact that um, with the Arceus Duraludon uh, aspects against Lugia, now you don't have to worry about things like Evil Tall since it's no longer in the format. Um, that just makes it so much stronger, even though, like you said, we do have the bad Duraludon V. Um, it's still great to see, and I'm loving the heavy count of the Lost Cities, like you mentioned. Just for the pure sake, it's, you know, so many decks are relying on, like, Miriam now or Clara to bring things back from the discard pile, but if you're just deleting it from the game altogether... Um, it really hinders those decks like Lost Box and um, even things like Gardevoir. If they have too many things, if you knock out too many Curlias and Ralts, they can't get going because they're just gone. Um, so it's really, really awesome to see that. Um, I also do love the fact, like we mentioned, that Alolan Volpix, it really proved itself to, um, with so many ability-heavy Pokemon in this format, just another way to wall off those opposing ability-based Pokemon. So yeah, just very cool uh, list altogether. Um, I really like it. I think it was a great meta call. I don't know how crazy it'll be going forward, but I do think for this event, it was just it was so well positioned. Yeah, I don't think that you'll be able to sleeve up this sixty or like fifty eight cards of this specific deck and see the same result uh, in any format because it's it's well known now that the Vulpix exists and a lot like Flying Peak, you know, the rope boss play stays very strong. Uh but yeah, double Drapion, man. That, <laughs> that that took me away for from the game for a little bit. I was like, what is going on? But yeah, you definitely need that for the Mew matchup because you're not playing the V Guard energy. The single Sharon's care will buy you that extra turn and Arctur without the healing just isn't as strong as it used to be against this very path heavy Mew that we're gonna see in a little bit here. But Alex Schmansky, man. Those second place finishes are all behind you now. You are a champion. This is super sick. Again, love the homebrew, love the meta call. And let's get into our second place deck, which uh, surprisingly enough, we're talking about Tord in second. What can you tell me about this deck, man? You just uh, came off a little streak with uh, Gardevoir EX. Yeah, so Tord Redcliffe went 14, 4, and 0. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, with Gardevoir EX, he chose to play not the Mewtwo V Union version, so a little more streamlined, um, but a really great list altogether. Some things that you know we didn't really see in any. Uh, online Gardevoir list is uh, the, the Luminion in there, um, which I think is great for grabbing those one of supporters when you need them. Um, but also we're seeing things like Collapse Stadium, and then something that has been kind of controversial back and forth um, is the Rare Candies. Uh, I personally didn't play them this weekend in my Mewtwo V Union list because the list is so tight, but there were many, many games that I wished I had Rare Candies. I'm even thinking about trying to make room because... The fact that you could get into like a Shining, Shining Arcana Gardevoir uh, or the Gardevoir EX that much quicker is just really powerful in this deck um, because, I mean, that's your, your engine pretty much. Uh, as much as you want to tr like get rid of things with Curlia, if you're able to go right into the Gardevoir EX and say you discard a ton of energies off of a early game research, you could just get going so quick. And I really do think that Rare Candy should be staples in any versions of Gardevoir going forward um, and then just towards energy on stream in the finals too was like really cool like it was almost like it seemed like he was listening to music the whole time he was like bobbing his head and like you know moving around like he you know he's been here on this final stage so many times it just is uh, almost I guess the word for it is swagger up there it was just was phenomenal with this brand new deck that just was awesome seeing pilot yeah, uh, you know, towards a character, you know, you're seeing him in his natural habitat up on, you know, these top cut uh, stages and stuff like that. And it's super sick. 
what I want to look at though is that the route split is very consistent with what everybody else is doing. The one memory skip routes with 60 HP or the others that have the uh, temporal burst or something like that where it switches itself to the bench and deals 10 damage. That memory skip will not buy you games but it'll soften things up like Raikou that have 200 HP and prevent them from just like steamrolling and continuing to like lightning rondo your deck until you uh, recreate your board state. But the memory skip is cool because if you hit Raikou once, you bring it down to 190. So now you don't need like a choice belt or uh, any damage additive for Gardevoir EX to actually take a knockout on something. And that was actually a line of play that I found in testing is that uh, memory skip will buy you the turn and force your opponent to have the resources to continue doing what they're doing. Uh, Playing the one Chilling Rain Gardevoir is, I, I don't want to say it's like the bad call, obviously, because he got second place, but a lot of people were using that to trade out Lost Box pretty well. And without that, I think Cresselia is your next best attacker, really. Uh, 310 HP on Gardevoir EX is nothing to scoff at for sure, but I feel like it's a little spooky not having that secondary attacker uh, to trade out the small things with uh, Gardevoir. Uh, no emergency jelly in this list, which might have been too cute of a tech for Tord Reklev. Uh, but you see the double Zacian, you don't have a heavy ball in here, so you can always have that three or four prize turn with the Sky Seal Stone and Zacian combo because you're not going to prize that one piece you need unless you don't have the Sky Seal Stone. But Tord doesn't prize things like that. Uh, but <laughs> when uh, Alex did prize as a low in Vulpix Star, you could see it very characteristically in his face that that was the issue and then Tord was like all right cool then I'm taking the Vulpix off the field I have turns to kind of play around still didn't win unfortunately but it is really funny to see that player interaction yeah I agree and then uh I going back to the the teleport or the uh memory skip Ralts uh I love that card so much I think it is a great inclusion in here I actually I know it's the wrong call from what people say but like I played all four memory skips because so many of these Pokemon have like a single attack, or at least the main attacker. So you can it buys you so much time, especially if you decide to go into like almost like a stall esque to help build your board state and stuff like that. But agree completely with you. I would love to see a second Chilling Rain um, Gardevoir, uh, the Shining Arcana, because yeah, if you prize that, it it's going to be rough to get going because that is that is a great attacker in here. Granted, the double Zacian is also amazing, especially with that Sky Seal Stone. Um, Overall, I think the list is insane. It was so good that at the case tournament on Sunday, there was literally four people that actually took his exact 60, even though he just got posted two hours earlier and played it to the event because they were just like, this is perfect. I can't, I don't want to change a card. Yeah, Grinder's going to do what Grinder's going to do. Uh, but GG's toward super sick, but those are your uh, finalists. And here are the honorable mentions. And there's a plethora, so please bear with us. There were many exciting things in this format the first one we're going to talk about is trevor reed's lugia v-star list featuring a 1-1 line of arcdura to seal the mirror for you and they're running one spicy thornton other than that spicy tech they're running the serena for the lost box math fixing so you don't just get sableye into oblivion you've got your uh 
single strike Eveltal to help trade out Mew, as well as the Tyranitar that just blows anything up with three to four single strike energy on it, and the Stone Jorner to take that three prize trade um, against the Mirrodon list or anything that's worth three prizes and weak to fighting in this meta that isn't the Regieleki VMAX. Uh, I like the list. You know, you rely on a lot of coin flips between Mezagoza and capturing Aroma, but you know, it's it's still consistent Lugia. What do you got? Yeah, no, I was gonna say I just I really love this list too. I think it's so unique, honestly. Um, I think Jose Marrero actually played the exact same sixty-two um, as Trevor here, but yeah, the the fact that like you said, you put down the Duraludon and say you go against the Lugia Mirror match, well, all of a sudden now you're you're just set. You just go in with your lone. Uh, Draladon and they can't do anything to you because you know not very many people thought of this in their the list. They can't shred through it unless they're you know going against another um, Draladon themselves. Yeah, exactly yeah. the Arcdura or they're pay- playing a path heavy deck. But I don't feel like there was too much path out there. I mean, we'll talk about a deck here in a little bit that played very heavy path. But um, yeah, I really do like the list. It's just a cool, unique take on Lugia and. Um, I think it's well, very deserving of that top eight finish because it's just that little unique spice. Like if we're getting back in that already getting back into where it's it's different Lugia because two cards are different, but it's like that's what breaks the format for a week. And I think this is that breaks the format for a week deck right now. Yep, for sure. I can't wait to see people try to pilot this on the ladder and find out if you prize either one or the other piece. <laughs> uh, you're you're just playing Lugia. Uh, nothing is given to you for sure. Uh, but if it wasn't made apparent to attack with the Arcdura, you need to play the impact energy because Aurora's gone and they were playing a three count of the impact single strike energy that provides any color energy one at a time which is uh, a very spicy tech. I definitely do like it. The next deck we're going to talk about is Robert Kinbrum's Mirrodon EX Regieleki VMAX deck trying to silence all of the uh, Mirrodon haters. What you got on this deck, brother? Yeah, so uh, Robert did... It's a 3 Mirrodon, 4 Regilecki, 3 VMAX, 2 Raikou, and a Greninja. Pretty much what a lot of the streamlined uh, Mirrodon lists are playing. Uh, I mean, literally came out and said, Oh, you think this deck's bad? Uh, I'm going to prove you all wrong, because I'm going to include Kramomatics so I can grab what I need whenever I need it. Something that I did not expect to see in a, um, a Mirrodon list... But it kind of makes sense if you're in need of a specific card. Um, why not get? You're playing such a unique uh, item count between all your Ultra Balls, Nest Balls, Escape Ropes, Switch Carts, all this stuff. So you have plenty of options, honestly, out there. Uh, I I do think it's kind of interesting that the fact that he's playing four Switch Carts on top of three Beach Courts. So I mean, you can really switch anything you need whenever you want. And you have many options. But maybe that's because since they are playing the Kramomatics, they felt okay with burning some of those switch cards. But um, yeah, I mean, I it's pretty crazy to see it in a top eight finish. Um, and I almost wonder if the Kramomatics are what this deck needed to take it to that next level. I suppose you're right. You know, obviously there's the margin for failure and with failure comes uh, less cards in hand. This deck doesn't have any natural draw built into it whatsoever. So the Radiant Greninja is a great tech in a deck where you're playing 15 energy. That's, you know, that's a quarter of your whole deck. So it's very necessary to have something consistent like that to help you get that extra two cards deeper. The switch cart, 
I found is very, very important in a list like this. You've got the same, uh, well, I want to say, I don't want to say the caveats, but the advantages that Mew VMAX has in having a three prize attacker with free retreat and everything else is a basic, like your Genesex and your Oracorios and stuff like that. So the switch cart is just as important in a list like this. But then again, with the beach court, you have the free pivot to switch between attackers and so on and so forth. So it makes a whole bunch of sense to have that. And then the crams are just go grab anything you want. So that's super sick. Arvin not making its way into this list, I thought was very weird. Promising yourself the Sky Seal Stone and the Electric Generator always stood out to me as kind of a very important card but in this it just seems very turbo attack with raikou as much as you can get your lucky set up in the order you need them to obviously you don't need to be hitting 310 right off the get-go but this list is sick you know shout out all the haters that told people <laughs> not to tech for this deck because it came through and it did its thing yeah, I, I'm I'm with you though with the Arvin. Yeah, it is kind of surprising that it didn't make its way in there, but um, yeah, great great to see a top eight finish for this deck. I think uh, it'll see some more finishes in the future. Yep, definitely. And then next is uh, Tobias Stromdahl's Inteleon Vmax and Rapid Strike Urshifu Vmax deck. It was so close, you know, <laughs> finishing at eleventh is nothing to scoff at, at for a deck like this. You know, you're just punishing Lost Box for having bench Pokemon and the Inteleons chewing through everything. Obviously, Gust exists in a format like this, but if that's the case, you just feed him Urshifu or feed him the Octillery. It doesn't matter. You just keep double gunnering until your heart's content. The Radiant Alakazam. At first, I was skeptical. I thought, you know, what if Blastoise made more sense than something like this? Because you're already putting a bunch of water energy in your hand to discard. Uh, between Double Gunner and the Blastoise, I feel like it fixes your math just a little bit better. But the Alakazam being able to move the damage counters from one of the two targets that you chose with the Inteleon to the Mana Fee, it just it, it makes so much sense. It really lets Urshifu do what it wants to do. You are unfortunately giving yourself that three prize caveat. You leave yourself wide open for Raikou Sky Seal Stone on the Inteleon. But this deck is just, it's so powerful. Yeah, I think uh, we talked about it a little bit last week. I think it does have a lot of unfortunate, um, I don't want to say auto losses, but like decks that just directly counter different things. Like you mentioned, the Raikou going in for the um, Inteleon, Mew going into the, the Urshifu. But outside of that, I think this deck really does have the cool plays like you mentioned where you're, you're pinging damage with Double Gunner. You're moving damage counters with the Radiant Alakazam. You're then knocking out with uh, Metacham to take that extra turn to then take more prizes. So I think it's it has a lot of natural um, disadvantages. But then outside of that, if you can get around those uh, disadvantages, it's a really just strong deck. Like I, I really do think that um, this deck could potentially place higher and higher and higher because um, it just has so many answers to certain things that decks are trying to prevent already. Like um, another thing, for instance, like we mentioned, the, the Drapion V-Star. Like the fact that you can buy a turn by being able to paralyze is just huge, um, especially in you know a, a deck that has a really heavy Pokemon in the active, like a Tyranitar V, for instance. So they can't just easily retreat it or do anything 
So, I mean, it's I, I do like this deck. Um, it is something that I'm going to definitely build with how fun it seems with this build. Yeah, you don't even need canceling clones, so you don't need to worry about the heavy era to line to make sure you have the right piece at the right time. You know, Shady Dealings made Urshifu a lot better, but I think that another Inteleon just fell back in line to take its place, and I can't wait to play more of this deck myself. And, you know, we're back on another deck in the honorable mentions we typically don't go this deep but new format always means we have to go glaze over some decks and stuff like that next is pablo meza's mew v max the heaviest path deck we saw all weekend and it's mew the deck that should not be able to operate with mew entirely so we said no to the cross switchers entirely no cross switchers whatsoever we're playing four vacuum four paths of the peak and no Oricorio, three Judge, three Boss, and Avery, which is actually very, very useful against things like uh, the, what is it, the Gardevoirs, the Regieleki, Meridon lists, and stuff like that, because there's no Pokemon recovery anymore, other than Clara. And then if you're eliminating evolution Pokemon, you're buying yourself a whole bunch of time to do just what you want to do with a deck like this. What do you like about this list? Well, just right off the bat, I mean, you mentioned it already. The the four loss vacuum and the four path of the peak is like so insane because um, normally, like we mentioned, Mew is one of those decks where it's like, oh, I can play one path and get rid of it. But the fact that it's playing four, not only are you shutting off all your opponents' like abilities and turns, um, but with the heavy loss vacuum, you can play a path down, loss vacuum it, so then you can uh, put your, pair your hand down while also getting rid of the path. Genesect for a bunch of cards, and then at the end of your turn, play another path so you're continually locking your opponent out of the game while you still get to play the game. Um, and then, you know, Mew obviously wants to pair their hand down, so uh, Lost, like we met, like I just mentioned, Lost Vacuum is perfect for that. If you have a card that you just absolutely can't use or don't need, that's what you get rid of on Lost Vacuum to pair your hand down even further and get further deeper into the game, the game state. Um, I just, I really like the list. I mean, the, the couple four seal stones. Something else that's really cool too is the fact that there's the fan of waves, which that card, you know, it every few months it seems to make an appearance and be very impactful. And I think this was a, a weekend that it was very impactful. I mean, we expected a lot of Arceus decks to be very big, so what better way to turn them off a turn than to get rid of the the DTE that they attached a previous turn? So now they're having to do a double attachment, which is nearly impossible. Um, unless you take a knockout, then they can Raihan or something like that. But I think the fan going into a very Arceus-heavy uh, weekend was really a really good call. Yeah, and you're mildly Drapion-proof. You know, if you leave Path down at the end of at least all four of your turns where you're taking two prizes each turn, supposedly, it just you set yourself up for success. You can't do more than that, obviously, until things like Spiritomb come into the format. But right now... You know, if you don't want to get Drapion, end your turn with an attack and path and play, a judge will stick every so often. So, uh, you know, this is sick. This is this seems like the most correct way to play Mew in this format. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really do actually love this list. Um, it's so strong. Good job, Pablo. And then, yeah, no, absolutely. That was, it was super sick. If you, they, you could just tell all weekend that Pablo had a, an incredible energy you know, about the way that they were playing, a way that the weekend was shaping up. Obviously, 
the finish wasn't where they needed it to be, but the stars aligned for Volpix to get its second, you know, big win before Giratina gets its first. So <laughs> that's the the way that this V Star uh, formats turning out to be. And then the last deck that we're gonna glaze over just a little bit more is Sanders Ursaluna Control List. I'm not a huge control buff, but Justin, do you have notes on this list before I try to speculate on how it works? Uh, I mean, I would like to say I do. I've, it's been a while since I've like actually truly picked up control and played. Um, my, I, I see many things in here that resemble like the control aspect. Like you've got your crushing hammers, you've got um, your memory skip ralts to be able to lock out the the basic V's. Um, you've got your mill tank. You've got uh, the ditto to be able to copy some of these attacks. The uh, Maul Wild that was a lot of people hyped up for this weekend that will trap a Pokemon in the active. Um, you've got your Mimikyu's that is a new tech that Sander actually talked about a couple months back with Penny where it takes no damage when you play it down. Um, the Rotom to draw in between turns because you're not necessarily taking any knockouts with this deck whatsoever, so why not uh, end your turn with drawing extra cards? Uh, so all of the, you got the Cry of Destruction and Evil Talls. So just a whole big, I don't want to say pile of stuff because it all makes sense in control, but like, man, what a crazy deck this is. And um, Sanders just one of those like names that like when he plays, it's all eyes on him. I literally saw whole people like when he was on stream, they were trying to recreate his whole list while like while the event was going on. Like, it's just wild to me that it's they're that into what he's playing. That you know, it's just crazy but this list is wild i like you said i can't begin to describe exactly how it works but i can see the control aspect of it i would need like a million games to understand how this fully works yeah so basically you've got your the pulling currents manaphy which is something that i thought would see a lot of play in the dialga format but it ended up not being available to us i think until crown zenith or something like that what it does is it puts any basic from your opponent's hand directly onto the bench making it very very difficult to use things like luminion if you're playing against lugia and stuff like that which is very annoying getting things stuck and trapped in the active with mawile and then dealing an additional 90 damage if i'm not mistaken with whatever attack you use the following turn is super sick uh ditto being able to copy any of these basics attacks not that you're doing a whole bunch of attacking with this deck per se uh but that's also very very strong of course the one of Carbominable. For a single water attachment, you're milling three cards off the top of your opponent's deck, which late game in something like this, after you've trapped your opponent for X amount of time, that's your solid, solid closer. Penny being able to pick up any of these basics and put them directly into your hand to reuse the effects like the ability on the Mimikyu that prevents it from taking any damage once you place it from your hand is such a crucial rotation. The Pot Helmet, Ursaluna, and V-Guard energy combo is bonkers so this thing can withstand a tyranitar attack realistically with all combos in play and then you penny it the next turn delete all the energy with eveltal and rinse and repeat it's hilarious to see how much control that this deck actually has at its disposal but man 
why do you do this to people? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I know the pot helmet does not work for V Pokemon. Um, oh, right, right. Not on the Ursaluna. But either way, still with the V Guard energy, and I think Ursaluna actually has an ability that it takes less damage as well, too. So, I mean, effectively, you're still needing like over 300, I think, to, or almost 300 to knock out the Ursaluna. But with that Penny Loop, is truthfully like insane. And then what's cool is like we're actually seeing. Um, Sander be able to use the V-Star ability in the Forest Sealstone since he is playing Vs in this deck. Um, another thing uh, we didn't mention was a Shadow Calyrex, Shadow Rider Calyrex V, obviously to not allow Pokemon or your opponent to attach basic energies or not basic energies, sorry, special energies or stadiums. Um, it just yeah, it's a crazy crazy list. Um, I don't think I'll even try it because it just seems like so many routes are so um you know one one wrong play can spell disaster but sander is the control master so just really cool um really strong deck honestly um and then yeah penny we thought was going to be one of them we're seeing three of yep three of those three pal pads and a team yells cheer you you know Penny it's a best forever. award against Sander. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's an unlimited penny uh, for as long as you want. But yeah, that wraps up the honorable mention. Super cool. And I'm sorry if we butchered the way that this control list works. I'm not a control player, but I can admire deck building when I see it. And it just really defi- it definitely stuck out to me for sure. But let's dive into the MetaShare study. Uh, Want to look at the top 16. You've got... Alex Shemansky with that dub with the Arc Dura Vulpix, Tord with the Gardevoir EX, showing off the new cards and new mechanics and how powerful they really are. Pablo Meza with his Mew and Heavy Path, Pedro Torres playing the Sablezard, Aiden Kuz with the Gudra with the Lasso Engine, uh, Trevor Reed, Eric Rodriguez both on different Lugia lists, which is super sick. Uh, Robert Kinbrom with the Miradon, Reggie Alecki, uh, Hermione playing the uh, Gudra Lawson, uh, Michael Bergerac playing the Arceus Duraludon. I think that they were on the same 60 as Alex Shemansky as well. Uh, Tobias Stromdahl, Rapid Strike, Urshifu, and Teleon. Uh, Brayden Elfert playing the Arceus and Vulpix. I don't know if there was any other toolbox mechanic in that list, but still very sick. Uh, Paulo Mimoso playing the Mew Genesect as well. Pedro Pertuzzi playing the Gardevoir EX with the Mewtwo V Union. Tyler Matthews playing the, uh, I think it's the Turbo Sableye, or not Turbo Sableye, but Turbo Lost Zone uh, featuring Sableye and stuff like that, and Nick Moffat playing Lost Kyogre. This is so diverse for right now. Things are going to change, but this is the way I want the format to look forever. <laughs> it's just, I agree. It's, you know, I'm, I'm rarely talking about the same deck, and... It just seems like there's a tremendous amount of diversity. There is no Giratina in top 16. You know, what, what do you have to say about this format from from the outside looking in? I honestly think it's, like, super healthy right now. Um, I mean, a lot of people kind of are already starting to feel like one deck's over more powerful than others and things like that. But I don't, I mean, just the results from EUIC show that that's not completely true. I think um with losing a lot of cards that made the the format kind of stale for a lot of people and then introducing all these new archetype archetypes and seeing what some of the top players are playing i'm like i could genuinely see for the next at least the next few regionals um it literally the top 16 looking just like this in different orders i mean there's so much um 
variety out there and decks are still going to get refined even better something that we think is going to be horrible people are going to go oh well, what about this tech tech since these decks are doing well and that'll rise back up so i just think the meta right now is so healthy um i'm actually really enjoying it i was i was a little worried about the rotation and like how things were going to be at first but i i just really do think that uh there's a lot of variety and it's going to continue to have a lot of variety because there's so many decks that are so strong and the game seems a little more balanced at the moment. Um, what are your thoughts on it? I love it. I, I can't say enough about it. You know, the biggest thing for me is definitely seeing Urshifu and Miradon up in the top, top 16 conversation. They're not going to stay like tier one, tier two decks. Uh, but the fact that good players chose a specific 60 and forced others to tech around those specific archetypes means that they're impactful, means that they're relevant. It means it's something you need to keep on your radar for sure. And I'm excited to see that this way, this format evolves with such a small card pool now, and then we get so much good stuff added in Paldea Evolved. And, you know, I can't I can't say enough about this format. I think that this is very exciting. Watching Arcdera win the very first one, always a good feeling. But, yeah, definitely super duper cool. Looking forward to more of it same same here i uh i think a good good pilot can make any deck uh, into top 16 yep that's that is facts everybody so we're gonna go into our card spotlight and i chose a newer card for this one it's gonna be the squavit from scarlet violet base set with the ability nest stash once during your turn you may shuffle your hand and put it at the bottom of your deck if you put any cards at the bottom of your deck this way, you draw one card. Uh, there's really nothing else going for the card. But that is very, very powerful. You know, it means you, if you're building a large hand, you don't deck out. If you want to get more value out of something like a Bieberel, this is the way to go. If you have resources in your hand now and the option to research them or to potentially put them at the bottom of your deck and use something like Starbirth to grab exactly what you want, Squavit is there to save you. It's so sick. I really, really do like that this card is in our format. I think it has a very powerful combo with the Tempting Tune Altaria, which I've always thought should be a meta-relevant card, and the Mustard Engine, because then you would force Mustard to be the only card in your hand because you're choosing the top card on your deck with the Tempting Tune Altaria. Um, and I can't say enough about this card. What do you think? Yeah, I really love the combo with the, the Tempting Tune Altaria. I think that's something that maybe we'll see a little bit of play here in the future because, the like you said, the Mustard combo is so strong. Um, but I do really like it as well with the Babarils. Um, in a couple of, testing a couple games uh, that you and I played on Discord, actually, uh, there was multiple or a couple times where like um, I could get two Babarils set up with one of these so I could use my first Babarils to build up a couple cards, play those out, so I had nothing I could really use, then squove it to the bottom and use a second barrel. So you're effectively seeing so many cards um, off of just one squove it. I do think it has some inherent weaknesses, though, um, especially with things like uh, Lost Boxes running around and Sableye. This is a weaker HP Pokemon sitting on the bench, and if you know, obviously a player realizes that's kind of your your combo to see more cards. They're probably going to knock that out as well as spread some damage somewhere else or take a knockout on something else too. Um, luckily, it is only a one prizer, but that is its biggest weakness, I think. Um, other than you know, just if you 
don't have a barrel set up, you're literally only drawing one card off of it, which can either you know either be that one card you need to win the game, or it comes back to bite you because now you're top decking until you get something you need. Yeah, um, it's a combo card for sure. You know, we're lucky that it did come with a cool character rear, so if you want to play it in cool decks, you can flex a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's got very cool combos lined up for it. I'm very surprised to not see it in Sanders' list. You know. Obviously, he wants to use all of his resources he has at his disposal, but it's like, if you're team yell grunting or pal padding the necessary supporter you need in to turn the game, wouldn't your odds be really good to draw into it if like your last three cards were a combo of those put few you put in? And I, I was really surprised to not see this and something like that. Yeah, I, I could argue, I could see the argument for having it in there, but I think with control, especially with playing that Rotom V. Um, you're wanting that it ends your turn as well, but you're wanting to build your hand up so you have so many options um, to play, like and see the potential cards you need for different combos. And um, so I think by doing that, like yes, you could potentially grab that one supporter you need, but if not, then you just are kind of like I don't want to say you whiff because you just keep your combo going, but it's you would rather have that hand built up um, a little bit more. Um, because I think Control's biggest detriment over the years has always been hand disruption. They're the ones that are wanting to disrupt the hand, or your, their opponent's hand, not get their hand disrupted as much. So I think you could do it in combination with, in a Control list, to potentially put more cards back in your deck. But um, at the end of the day, I do think it's probably better to keep larger hands in Control. All right. Yeah, you're... Uh... You're my resident go-to for answers like that because in my brain I'm like, okay, cool. I'm in the mill phase. I'm trying to take um, you know resources off of my opponent's field with uh, the Crabominable, right? I'm building a big hand, and I don't know if I'm milling them quite as fast as I'm milling myself by using my resources to sustain this line of play. And that's it. in my brain. That's where the squabbit comes in. Obviously, not like early game when you're trying to get those resources, but like in the late my opponent has like 8 to 10 cards left in their deck. I feel like the Squabbit has impactfulness then, but again, it could have been the 61st card in that deck, so we'll, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, true, yep, exactly. And and that is that is a good point for that aspect. Like, if you're not going, fa- or you're not milling fast enough, yeah, I could see that being huge in that deck. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to the listener question. And this one's just slightly somber, but, you know, we're here to turn the tide on this one. Don Fan Fan says, I've been on a cold streak lately. With the new mechanics coming in and the League Cups bringing better players to my area, I've been feeling discouraged. How do I regain? And for those who don't, you know, gamer, regain means like how do I, you know, reestablish my competitiveness and, you know, go forward. Just, what are your thoughts? Um, so I think all of us as players probably go through these uh, phases where we, we're on a hot streak and then all of a sudden just something happens, you know, maybe the deck we're playing loses something and we can't necessarily find the deck that fits us and we, we don't go on a winning streak. I've kind of, I've had that many, many times in my uh, playing career and I, I will say it, it does get discouraging. Um, however, when that starts happening, um, this is where I like to step back from the game a little bit, um, not stop playing by any means, but maybe for a week or two I don't play a super competitive deck. Maybe I play something that's absolutely silly, but I'm having super fun playing, and I go in and I try to cheese a couple wins. Um, that usually will kind of regain my like 
happiness of playing the game, and then it'll also go, okay, you know, I've got my my cheesy deck out of the way, so now I want to go back into playing competitive some. Um, I also, I've talked about it on many podcasts ago uh, with the retro decks. I like to play alternate formats to change it up. So um, that way I'm feeling a little less discouraged. Now that doesn't necessarily fix the problem of being on a cold streak when you are in your competitive phase, but it can change your mental on the game itself. Um, Because uh, I've gone and been completely super competitive and scrubbed out of like four tournaments in a row. And I'm just like, why am I playing this game? I don't, I don't feel like I'm good enough at it. Um, and that's where, like I said, taking that step back, taking a breath, um, playing it for different reasons for a little bit will help kind of that mental clear up that. And then also just having like a really good testing group, um, just a couple friends. I mean, it doesn't even, I say testing group. My testing group is a lot of just my friends I've made through this game, meeting up with them and playing a couple games and, you know, talking through plays and why did you do that? versus doing this or maybe this is a different route you could have take it's something that teaches you um maybe something that you didn't realize you were playing the deck wrong that now it fixes that and fixes that cold streak because maybe a a route to victory you thought was there is actually not the right route to victory on the certain deck so those are a couple options um the biggest one though for me like i said is is going and getting silly with the, the the cards for a little bit because Everyone's gonna, you know, go through those phases, and it isn't fun. But the whole reason why we got into this game from the get-go is because of fun. It's fun. We like playing it. Um, so that's that's my answer. How I feel like I could help with this, uh, Drew. Do you have any insight? Uh, I'm kind of half and half on that whole scenario. Um, I think palette cleansers are great for the game in terms of a competitive circuit or whatever standard you hold yourself up to. Yes, it's fun to play the meta. Yes, it's fun to win. Uh, But people are going to tech for you, especially at a local level. People are going to tech for specific decks. Cups and challenges mostly being, I think, entirely being in a best-of-one format. Um, You're going to get donked, and that's just the nature of the beast. So it's better to have a short-term memory, move on, and gather what you can from the games you lost, and try something new. You know, I'm not saying... uh, go from playing the you know art like lugia archaeops and step into a sander list like that's not going to help your mental that's actually probably going to stress you out more uh but you know go play the gravard deck where you have to put a bunch of psychic uh pokemon into the discard pile and hit for x amount of this psychic like pokemon that you have there so it's a you know just step back from the competitive side find what you like about specific mechanics especially during rotation try everything even for a second you know the one good thing that ptcgl does for you is gives you access to a bunch of different decks and archetypes to try out and it's free to play so keep that in mind have a short-term memory and you know throw in a palate cleanser you know i i think that taking a break from the game at any capacity only sets you back more Especially if you, you know, you get off on a cold streak. You know, any good gamer knows you got to win before you get to go to bed. So uh, it doesn't make sense to keep trying the same thing because that is the definition of insanity. But at the same time, you know, just ask somebody who has multiple six-card decks built. Hey, can I try this for a local? Hey, can I try this for, you know, a challenge and stuff like that? 
you know, it, it costs money to go play these events, but it's the experience. And the only thing that you can really take away from a loss is learning what you could have done different and diving into the new format. Rotation is always scary. This is my second one since I've started playing, and that's so silly to say. Uh, but it does get easier, for sure. Uh, but I hope that answers your question. And if you guys have any other questions, make sure you hit up our Twitter at PCS underscore pod. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Patreon Discord updates. It's verbatim what we said last week. Our first webcam locals is on Wednesday, April 26th at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Standard format, proxy illegal. And this month's monthly giveaway is our very first PCS podcast, Dad Hat. So make sure that you're part of our Discord to be the very first person to own this piece of merchandise. Uh, Portland's in a few weeks, so we're not going to make predictions quite yet. So that's going to do it for the show. Justin, go ahead and plug it up. Yeah, guys, if you guys want to find me on Twitter, my handle is PokeBrewsTCG. And if you want to find me on Instagram, my handle is PokeBrews. Uh, Instagram is going to be the easiest way to reach me. But on both of those socials, you can find my Linktree account where you can find things like my TCG Player affiliate link. If you use that link, any shopping you do directly supports the show and upcoming regional expenses for us, all while costing you nothing extra. You can also find things like our PCS podcast official merchandise by Bonfire. That link is bonfire.com slash store slash PCS pod. We also have a Twitch channel where we'll be live streaming the pod every week, as well as doing some tabletop games uh, as soon as we get that going. You can find that at twitch.tv slash PCS pod. And on to you, Drew. All right, if you want to find me on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, I am Katana TCG. Uh, when you're looking for TCG accessories, make sure you're checking out Ultimate Guard. Their newest collection is all available on Amazon, and that is the easiest and fastest way to get it into your collection, so make sure you're grabbing your stuff there. If you want to be a part of our monthly giveaways and get access to the PCS Locals, which is our uh, right now webcam, uh, standard GLC, and maybe other format events, uh, make sure you're joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. And that's going to do it for the show. Sign us off. We'll see you guys next week. See ya.